0: Hey everyone, I hope that you're enjoying this series, and I'm here to finish it up. I have five more points left from my latest article on my blog, which, as you can see in the description and the previous episodes, you can find at mapbest.net slash the platform. So I'll finish up here with my quarter four 2022 takeaways. Writing is a great test of the coherence in one's thoughts. Day after day, and quarter after quarter, I learned this lesson. When I get into bed each night and grab my journal, I give myself the opportunity to express my thoughts. There's a curious gap between what is happening in my head and what gets onto the page. Some, fla- some thoughts flow onto the page without much issue. Then there are other thoughts that, as I write them, simply dissipate into a realization that it doesn't make much sense at all, or that, or that the counterargument to what I was thinking is stronger. This realization is even stronger when I review my journal entries each quarter to compile these quarterly reviews. Gabby frequently asks me if I am okay while I am writing them, as I can begin to sigh somewhat loudly through my breath as I battle through to write what I actually think and believe. I notice that I have certain patterns while writing, which is an important piece to think through. I cannot use the words simply in every sentence where it comes to mind, using the words never and always typically do not correspond to reality. Long sentences are hard to read and cannot be used frequently. All these little things add up, which I notice and need to resolve so the quality of my thinking improves and my thoughts are expressed clearly in written form. Writing in this way also teaches me to think more clearly, which helps in so many areas of my life. Having multiple coherent voices in my head allows me to think more deeply and to be more thoughtful as I approach the world, which I give credit in large part to this consistent writing practice. Look at others through a lens of understanding, empathy, and nuance, not primarily judgment. Some things that people do and say appear to be absolutely absurd to us. It is so easy to spawn the blanket reaction of, that's stupid, how ridiculous, or that makes no sense, and move on. It requires little thought to see something, make a quick judgment, and continue on with life. I have real sympathy for people who live in the world in this way. I understand that most people are not educated at all in psychology and thus don't have much of a mental toolbox to piece together why people do and say what they do. I really wish they would start as the world and the people in it become so much more interesting when we start to develop that toolbox. It's not over, overly difficult to ask why and explore the possibilities. It helps to have someone else to brainstorm some ideas as well, as incorporating perspectives that are not our own help us to see the world in new ways that we are not used to. Even a Google search can be great for this. For example, if you see someone do something that makes no sense to you, open Google and type, why do people insert behavior you observed and see what you get. Trying to understand and committing and doing so in life makes our experiences so much more fascinating. In addition to this, it also helps to solve problems more effectively. Problems are solved when we have a deeper understanding of them and approach them with curiosity. Problems are extended and often get worse when we throw solutions at them without context. Affirm before criticizing. This is very hard for me to do, as it is not my natural reaction. My initial instinct in most interactions is to go directly to the point, especially with the people with whom I am most comfortable, like my family and close friends. It seems the most logical solution that requires the least number of steps to resolve whatever situation is at hand. Despite this, reality clearly shows us that the padding around our statements means a lot for how they are interpreted. Learning how to slow down in situations in which I want to criticize immediately requires a lot of awareness and discipline, but it has been a worthwhile pursuit. Instead of jumping to the point, acknowledging what the person is doing and the positives present first helps the person to ease up for when the criticism comes. Framing the criticism in a way that makes it feel much lower stakes, following an affirmation, also helps to make others more receptive. In my relationship with Gabby, this, is, this has been a really important shift. It really helps to tell your partner that you love them and that you want the best for them when you are challenging them to behave differently or to think differently from what they're used to doing. You can always start over and build a fresh, new life. My mother-in-law recently finalized her divorce after being separated from her ex for over seven years. The relationship didn't end well. There was inequality, infidelity, mental health issues, many other problems that turned into pain and resentment. In my conversations with her about it all, my perception was that she felt imprisoned by where she currently is and that her past will permanently limit who she can become. It seemed like she had no sense of agency over her life because of how old she is and what she has been through. This contrasts with a similar situation that happened to my mom's best friend, who went through a very similar divorce, but is now engaged, has a new job, and is still living her life without holding herself to the past. No matter our age, we always have the ability to become someone new. Whether we are a newborn or a 100 years old, we shed old cells and generate new ones. We are constantly evolving through all phases of life, so why can't we do so psychologically? Why can't we let go of our past, reconcile, accept, and put ourselves in a new place to start up again. I don't believe there is a valid reason why we are inhibited from this. It may be hard given the constraints of a situation and the psychological hurdles in place between us and this new version of us. But it is not impossible. We can always become more. Always. And lastly, the keys to a better life often lie in small adjustments, not extreme flips from one side to another, even though the flip is sometimes easier. Many of the enticing self-help ideas that gather lots of attention online propose big changes. Stop eating meat. Stop eating anything that's not meat. Stop eating carbohydrates. Exercise for an hour every single day. Stop sitting. Throw out your phone and get a flip phone. Stop using all social media. Stop drinking anything that's not water. Drink four gallons of water a day. Take an ice bath for 20 minutes every day. The ideas that are out there are endless and often quite intense. They ask people to make wholesale changes to their everyday lives and who they are without any gradual transition period. Instead of trying to make this extreme flip that is often not sustainable, take a step back and ask some questions first. When a change is enticing to you, ask yourself what problem you think that change would solve. Then ask yourself where the root of that problem lies. Once those answers are sorted out, ask yourself whether the proposed solution would address the root of the problem whether making the change to that degree would be sustainable. If it is too big of a change to start, ask yourself what the best first step would be to inch closer to the full extent of that change. These gradual steps are more sustainable and can often show us that we don't need to go all the way to the extreme to get what we are looking for in the first place. One caveat here is that some people can benefit from approaching this differently. For example, I became a vegan with no transition period from a standard American diet in August of 2017, and held it for almost two years. This extreme change brought me to the complete other side of where I was beforehand, which then helped me to understand how I could step back from the extreme, take it closer to where I wanted to be. I incorporated fish, eggs, and non-fat Greek yogurt into my diet, along with reducing carbohydrate intake and removing added sugars. These adaptations back down from the extreme were big improvements that I believe that I was able to reach earlier because of the big leap I took at the beginning. This big change also coincided with when I started to live on my own and shop for myself, which made sustaining my diet much easier as all I needed to do to sustain it was to only buy vegan foods in the grocery store the one time each week that I went. Understanding these nuances and shaping the context to support our behavior changes helps to make them more sustainable. Thank you for accompanying me through these past five episodes. I really appreciate all the support and that you're here with me as I take on life, as I look at each of these quarters of my life split up and make sense of them all. I hope that you find the way that I think and the way that I make sense of all of this to be helpful and valuable in some way. Perhaps that it's valuable enough for you to adopt a similar process. I always recommend so much to people to write every day and to go back to read that writing and to reflect on it, make sense of it, see what it means for you, see how it can change you. And I hope that me reading through all of this and sharing this with all of you is a vulnerable way that can help you to see the benefits and also help you to see me as I am, as I work through this. Life isn't easy and it's a challenge. There's a lot to do, a lot to make sense of, a lot to think, But despite that, I think it is still so important to push on, to make sense, to share. And I hope that you feel inspired to do just that. Thank you for listening, and as always, much love. I'll be back soon. Cheers.